We're going to start a new series today, and I'm going to spread it out. I want to teach you five principles, not today, but today we're just going to introduce one principle. But I want to speak into a cultural moment that we have. Most news reports are talking about mental health. Today, we are going to speak into what our minds should be like. It's going to be healthy mind, healthy life. That is our new series. And it's really important for you. And I want to encourage you, this is going to be a little bit of hard work. uh, And we're going to have to practice some things. So I want to encourage you to take notes on your YouVersion app or, or get yourself a booklet. We may even buy some branded booklets. They'll be 50 pounds for the booklet and 50 pounds for the pen. So I would encourage you to get your own booklet. Uh, and so, but try and begin during this season to learn to take some notes and uh, watch us again on replay so that you can just get these principles. Healthy mind, healthy life. That's where we're going. Because we want to speak into this cultural moment about mental health. We are going to be the people who show the rest of the world how we can have strong minds. I don't know about you, uh, but me and my brothers used to play games when we were little, and I was the youngest brother, and so let me just say that younger brothers of the world unite. I was persecuted as a child. Oh, there was no sympathy in the house, maybe on the feed, there'll be a little bit. And um, I, 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 just to show you how old our house was, uh, our bathroom was downstairs at the end of the kitchen. And in the kitchen, we had an airing cupboard with a water tank, which was really warm. And we used to, when we were hiding from each other, we used to go inside there and hide behind all the towels and things. But here's the thing. If you shut the door, you were locked in until somebody let you out. So you had to take a knife with you to undo the lock. And and one day, I I jumped in and hid, and I'd forgotten to take the knife to undo the lock. So I thought I was locked in. But my brother was standing outside the, uh, the airing cupboard, and he unlocked it. I didn't know it was unlocked. I thought I was locked in, and he was standing outside the airing cupboard, taunting me, you know, saying, it's the first sign of madness to lock yourself in a little room. I was thinking, you know, he was outside taunting me. All the while, I thought I was locked in, but actually all I needed to do was push on the door and it would have opened. I wonder what you're locked into that you think is locked and that you think you're a prisoner of, but actually all it is is a short push and you could be free. Our lives move in the direction of our thoughts. Here's the preposition, or the proposition, sorry, of this series. Change your thoughts, change your life. It sounds simple, And it's not just exaggeration or hyperbole. It sounds simple. It's difficult to do, but we want to go on a journey to do it now. Here's the first principle. Change your thoughts, change your life. If you turn with me in your Bible to Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9, let me read you uh, a kind of process 
that I want you to begin to believe, in fact, really believe it today. Philippians 4, 8 through 9 reads like this. Finally, brothers and sisters, we're not missing anybody out. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Your thoughts will set the tone and the attitude and your thoughts will set the direction of your life. But look, look at this. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Look at this process. Move from thoughts to practice and it will birth an experience. Think about these things Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. It will come out into your life and experience. Thought, move to practice. It will come out in your life experience. As you think, then practice, and then your experience happens. Cognitive behavioral therapists also commit to this way of thinking. Think it. Practice it, it will come true. The life that we have is a reflection of how we think. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says about a person, he's the kind of person who's always thinking about the cost. And he says to you, eat and drink, he says, but his heart isn't with you. You see, what you're really thinking about will eventually come out. It will, it will set your relationships, it will set the direction of your lives. Our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. We can change our lives if our lives become polluted with toxic thoughts, our lives will move in that direction. Our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. If your thoughts are generous and kind and compassionate and loving, your life will move towards compassion and generosity and loving. If your thoughts are, are consumed with envy and strife and bitterness, your life will move towards that experience. The proposition of this whole series is our thoughts shape the direction of our lives. Healthy mind, healthy life. No more do we want to just say mental health is the issue that we can't do anything about? I want to stand before you today and say, no, let's speak into it now. We're not immune from it. Let's speak into it and let's get some strong biblical truth into our minds of how to protect our mental health and how we can move in a good direction in our lives. Is everybody with me? Somebody say amen. Yeah? Now, here's the first principle. I want to teach you something. The replacement principle. Remove the lies and replace with truth is the first step to a healthy mind. Write it down. Remove the lies, replace with the truth. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For the Spirit of God 
that God gave us does not make us timid again, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Or the New King James says, out of a sound mind, it gives you that inner resource to be able to move towards a healthy way of thinking and a healthy direction in life. The replacement principle, remove the lies, replace with truth. You see, perception's reality, isn't it? What you believe to be true will create a perception around your life. Now, those of you who are, uh, were in BCC a long time, the stage used to be straight here, and there used to be steps down. And I don't know whether you remember, there used to be a little square over there, a square in the middle, and a square over here. And I used to, uh, sometimes, you didn't know this, I used to sometimes stand on those squares uh, for a really important personal reason. You see, because when I was, uh, I must have been about six, in infant school, I I was on the, uh, stood on a stool that was on the end of the stage, and I had to read a poem. And, but when I stood on there, I, I became dizzy and I fell off and the whole school laughed at me. Thank you for that little bit of sympathy. You know, you are so much more compassionate than the first service. I said that in the first service. It was like one person that kind of muted something, you know. Thank you. Although I didn't hear anything from this side. You know, I fell off, and, and, uh, but it started something in my young mind. For many years after that, I thought, I'm never going on a stage again. Could you imagine that God's got this plan for me to be a pastor? And already Satan has already planted in my mind my insecurities. I used to shy away from drama. I would shy away from doing things that thought, oh, I may make a fool of myself and everybody may laugh at me. All that you have to do to block your life is to believe the lie. The lie that's trapping you. You have to buy into it. But actually, if you'll identify the lie and replace it with truth, great freedom comes. Replacement will happen. It's a two-stage process. I'm saying it over again because I really want you to get it. Two stages. First stage, remove the lie. Expose it. See it for what it is. Second stage, Replace it with truth. Begin to see what God says. Begin to see what the real reality is. It sounds easy, but it's a battlefield. It's it's a war zone between our ears. It sounds, oh, well, I'll just do that then. It is a real battlefield. Now, last week on Easter, I took you back to the 1980s in my music catalogue with the Easter song from the second chapter of Acts. But in 2009, Jordan Sparks came out with the song, uh, Battlefield, battlefield, why must love always be a battlefield? Better go get your armor, you know. Anyway, it's a battlefield, and most of us don't realize that we are in a battle. We actually feel that, that the battle is for somebody else. 
The battle is real, and why we don't change is because we are in a war zone in our mind, and we refuse to engage the battle. Let me say that again. The reason you don't change is because you are refusing to engage the battle. The lies that you have been believing have become old, comfortable friends that have locked you down and kept you hidden and blocked you from the life that God has for you. And the reason why that you're not changing is because you don't want to get into the uncomfortability of a battle in your mind. If you don't confront this battle, you won't change. Now, I know that people who might be watching our live stream, some people checking out church might think that this is medieval, but we have an enemy, a spiritual enemy, Satan, the devil, spiritual forces that are against us that want to fill our minds. The Bible clearly says it this way. Ephesians 6, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, and, but it's against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Listen to me. Your adversary is not the people around you, your family, your boss, your mother-in-law, your relatives, whoever. They are not your enemy. The real enemy is a spiritual enemy. Now this might sound dramatic and it might sound a little bit niche and and not modern enough but this is the greatest trick that the enemy wants to play on you is to convince you that he doesn't exist or that he's not actually influencing you. That some of the things that you think are just you thinking them and it's not actually the enemy making you or suggesting those things to you. That's his biggest tactic. Convince them that he doesn't exist. Make it look silly. And like Jesus says this, the thief only comes to kill, destroy, but he has come that we might have life and have it to the full. He wants to convince you that your life is what it is and that the lies you're believing, you can't get round them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18 says, Paul said, well, I wanted to come to you many, many times, but Satan blocked my way. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 says, be alert, be of sober mind, healthy mind, healthy life. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around, roaring like a lion, who that he, for someone whom he might devour. Satan wants to stop you and to keep you from the life that God has for you. He wants to rob you of the purpose that God has for you. He does it by lying, by placing lies in your mind. I could say mistakes, I could say misthoughts, but come on, let me call it what it is. Let me call it to the world and whoever's watching on YouTube, it's a lie. And it's a lie that he wants to place in your mind to limit your life and actually destroy your life. 
His tactic is lying to you so that you believe it's true. Jesus called this out. In John chapter 8, verse 44, he said to the Pharisees, now, sometimes Jesus spoke quite directly. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Uh, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth within him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Can you just receive this truth that there are lies? And that Satan, the only time he's called a father, he's called the father of lies. The only time that he's called something creative, he says that he creates lies. That every time he speaks, every time something happens in your life, the enemy creates a lie around it. You see, I'm laboring this point because you have to think and begin to question everything that comes into your mind. Whenever you do something, a success, a failure... The enemy spins a lie around it. If you're a successful, he spins the lie, you don't need God. If you're a failure, he spins the lie, you'll always be a failure. God doesn't love you. Well, that wouldn't have happened if God loved you. If, if you fall out with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, uh, you know, he spins the lie, or you'll never be able to receive love. There's always a lie around what he says. Whatever you do, he spins a lie around it. Whatever you do, Satan is trying to lock you into a prison that you think is shut. He's trying to lock you into a prison of lies, but you're not his prisoner of war. Amen, church? You are not the prisoner of war of the enemy. You allow yourself to be that prisoner. You know, there's a group, isn't there, that called the Flat Earth Society. They still exist today. You can go on the website. Don't Google it now. But you can go on the website and the Flat Earth Society still believe that the earth is flat. They think the whole thing about maps and globes is a conspiracy. They think that you'll fall off the end of the world, and you're thinking, that's crazy. But I wonder what perceptions that you have got that are are just as much away from that truth that's holding you back. I wonder if you believe some significant lies in your mind. It will affect your life, and it will affect it as if it was the truth. I wonder what your big lies are. One of my big lies was because of my eyesight disability, I couldn't be a pastor. I had two big lies in my life. And I apologize if you're watching from Stoke-on-Trent. I always thought that people from Stoke-on-Trent didn't amount to much. And I was from Stoke-on-Trent. And, and so therefore, I wouldn't amount to much. And, I, you know, I, I, because of my eyesight, I thought I could never be a pastor. You know, one of the ways that I was called to be a pastor, I don't know whether I've ever told you this, but, but you know, lots of, lots of pastors have dramatic calling stories. I was filling out a form. I was filling out a survey. 
I got to question seven. And in those days, uh, when people talked about Christian service, uh, like today we, we often talk about Christian service being in lots of jobs, but they meant being in working in church full time. And this was the question, question seven. It, it was a question that said, are you called to Christian service? Well, you saw my testimony last week. I didn't know anything. I've come back from a very long way. I was totally secular. Somehow I missed things about Christianity growing up. I don't know how it passed me by. But after I was a Christian, I didn't know much. And when I got to that question, are you called to Christian service? Yes box or no box. I put my pen over the no box because I just assumed I wasn't. And my hand began to shake violently and I couldn't write or put anything on the box. I moved my hand to the yes box and my hand became completely still and I could check that box. And I went, oh. And so I moved my hand back to check the box, to tick the box, no, and my hand shook so much I couldn't put it down on the paper. And so I moved it over to the yes box and my hand became completely still and peaceful. This actually happened. It was in front of a room of 20 people. So I moved my hand back to say no again. I did it three times and just couldn't do it. So I put my hand on the yes box and ticked it. And I was ticked. And I thought, I must be called. I must be called. That meant that I started on a journey, but I still had to process the lie. If you stand on a stage, you'll make a fool of yourself. I still had to process the lie. Because you can't see very far, you'll never be a pastor. I still had to process the lie. Can anything good come out of Stoke-on-Trent? I still had to work through those lies, even though I'd had a definite calling. I stopped believing the lies and started to walk in the truth of what God had for me. How about you? Come on, let's give the Lord praise. And just while I'm confessing, you know, my very first sermon was heresy. And some might say it's not really changed much since then. But my very first sermon, I stood up and, uh, you know, the pastor gave me a little chance and I stood up and I, I love Jesus so much. You know, I come from a long way back and I, I just thought, I can't imagine that he really suffered on the cross and because I loved him. I didn't want him to be in pain. So this is me preaching away and saying, you know what? I don't really believe Jesus suffered for us. I think he was having visions of glory. And, you know, Kathy's brother actually put his arm around me and said, you know what, Jesus really did suffer. <laughs> and that wasn't really right, what you said. We know your heart, but we've got to teach you, Jesus really did suffer for you. You see, what you've got to do, that even though you've made some mistakes, even though you believe some things about your life, you've got to stop now and say, well, God, God, I want to go into the full life that you have for me. Lies can hold your calling back, but it will be broken when the voice of God speaks to you. Because actually, what I'm going to be proposing over the next few weeks to you, you can't do on your own. 
You need the Spirit of God and the voice of God. And actually, it's the power of God that breaks through some of these mental lies that you've built up in your mind. Now, you're going to have to work. You're going to have to practice some things. You know, I, I had somebody in Bible college come to me, and they saw me preaching with fire behind me, and it really propelled me into my calling. You know, I really need to say to you that God will speak and break through those lies. But are you open now to give some of those lies up? Oh, they're old friends. They're securities to you. God's voice can break these lies, but you've got to be willing now to say, okay, God, I don't want these lies anymore in my mind. The lie that says nobody really likes you. Some of you came today. And it's, and it's been hard for you to come back to church. But when you walked in the room, one of the lies that was in your mind was, nobody likes me here. It's a lie. It's a lie. And you've got to start breaking those lies. If you really knew me, you, I, I, God's not really going to use me. That's a lie. You still have patterns. But now you have a choice you can continue to believe the lie or accept the vision that God really has a purpose and plan for you. It's time for us to begin some lie detection in our thought life. And this is where we're going to rest for this week. Simply expose the lies that are in your mind. You know, Harry Houdini he was a great escape artist, and when he went to a town, he would often go to the local jail and break out of the local jail to generate thoughts, uh, uh, generate advertisement for his show. And what he would do is the jailer would, t he would watch the way the jailer locked the jail, and he would just get his little unpicking lock thing and go the opposite. Well, one jailer thought, ah, you know what? I I'm going to fool him. And what he did was, he says, oh, I'm, I'm unlocking the, the door this way. And actually, he was turning it so it was locking. And he says, I'm locking the door this way. And he was turning it so that it was unlocking. So Harry Houdini got it opposite. And the more Harry Houdini tried to escape, he was actually turning it the wrong way. So he was locking himself in the jail. He got frustrated. And the jailer said, actually, I fooled you. Folks here, folks online, I wonder if the jailer has fooled you with opposite truths that are actually locking you down and not releasing you. I wonder if it's time for every single one of us to begin a lie detection process whereby we say, is this thought holding me back and stopping me serving God? I wonder what lies are holding you back. What would it have been like if I'd have said to myself, oh, I can't drive a car, I can't see very far, therefore I'm not going to be a pastor. What lies are holding you back? Satan will always try and keep you in a less than existence, less than you're meant to be. So this week, let's do a thought audit. I'm going to ask the worship team just to come. I wonder if we can begin to call out our repeated 
and negative thoughts that are tearing us down. You may have messed up in your life and Satan is having a field day saying you will never rise beyond this. I wonder what you are thinking. Who you are today is the result of your thinking in the past. And over the next few weeks, we're going to take a pause next week and I've got a great guest speaker. He's going to speak a word into, in season into our church. And then we're going to pick this up in a couple of weeks' time because I want this to settle for a bit first. Hit pause on your thinking and begin to think what you think about. Take a thought inventory of what your regular thoughts are. Would you please stand with me? And if you're at home, I wonder if you'll just become in a posture of receiving. Because we can't do an altar call. I long for those days when we can bring you forward. But I wonder right now whether or not you could ask yourself, are you more negative in the morning or at night? When's your week time? When's the time when you're down on yourself? What are those thoughts that assail your mind? But I wonder right now whether or not you could ask some questions about what you think. Maybe you need to ask some defensive questions about why is this negative thought keep coming back to me? What, what is it about that thought that says you will never, you won't be able to? Maybe we could ask some attack questions and say, well, what's the... What's the alternative in faith to what I'm thinking? I wonder if you could do this at home or here in the building. <clears throat> I wonder if you could just admit that you might have a negative thought in your mind. And I wonder if there's a prevailing thought in your mind, something that happens over and over again. I wonder if you'd have the courage just to raise your hand right now and say, God, I'm going to give you this thought. Come on, all over the building. Lord, I'm going to give you... I I always think this, Lord. I, I always think that I can't be used of you. I always think that nobody likes me. I always think that there's something up with me. I always think something negative. Even if you're a very confident person, what is that that you need to raise up and say, is that a lie? If people have hurt you in the past, if there's things in the past where you're thinking, this is just, if I get into a relationship, this will happen all over again. I wonder if that's a lie that's holding you back from receiving love from someone. Come on, lift your hand with me. If you're at home right now, wherever you're watching from, hold your hands out, lift them up, and say, God, I give you these negative thoughts. Remove the lie. Expose the lie. Let's replace it with truth. That's my first lesson in this series. That's all I want to teach you today, is that there are lies in your mind And for some of us, this may be your question. You you kind of been a Christian a long time and you're thinking, well, I don't really have any lies. Would you, Holy Spirit, expose any deep-rooted lies that I'm not even aware of?
Because you can't do this on your own. It's going to be by God's Holy Spirit. So even though this is going to take a bit of work, actually God is right alongside you working with you. Come on, raise your hands one more time. Holy Spirit, would you expose the lies now and bring your truth? Now, throughout this week, I want you to keep a thought audit. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I want you to stop at a a good time in your day and say, how's my thought life? And write down any negative thoughts and begin to say, is that true really? Come on, let's, let's work together. I want you to do that for the next two weeks and then we're going to pick up this lesson and deepen this because, listen, the nation is talking about mental health and we are going to break that chestnut and walk into God's freedom. Amen, church? We're going to have good mental health. Come on, let's give him praise. We're going to have biblical minds. We're going to heal because healthy mind, healthy life. We're going to sing some truth in this song. I want you to sing it and, and savor the truths because God is your shepherd and he's going to give you a healthy life. Amen? Come on, let's praise him one more time. God bless you.